0: Hello. Just a quick note on this. This was actually recorded way back in the summer. So this is movie is available now. You can get it on demand. So I just wanted to make sure everybody knew that. You can go to the links in the show notes to follow along and also then go follow Cosplay Universe on all social media platforms. But I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that this movie is now available. So please, please go check out this documentary. It's absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoyed this interview. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, I'm very excited to be speaking to directors Jonathan McHugh and Jordan Rennert. They have directed a recent documentary called Cosplay Universe which celebrates the rise of the popular costuming subculture and explores the origin and evolution of cosplay as an art form and global community. It features international stories from Yaya Han, Camus Cosplay, Shema and Juan of Mexican Cosplay Team Twin Cosplay, World Cosplay Summit organizer and academic Ed Hoff, Lauren of Castle Corsetry, Cynthia Tyler, Thomas Di Petrillo and Q Ma. The film is also highlighted by one of the last interviews with legendary comic book figure Stan Lee. This film was shot over six years pre pandemic at conventions around the US, including Anime Expo, San Diego's Comic Con International, Atlanta's Dragon Con. Stan Lee's last LA Comic-Con, and the World Cosplay Summit in Nagoya, Japan. So I'm very, very excited to be speaking with both of you. I really, really enjoyed this documentary, and I know a lot of our listeners and our panelists would really enjoy this because we have panelists that are cosplayers and people that just enjoy cosplay in general, And we actually just came back from San Diego Comic-Con. So yeah, so this is very, very exciting to talk to both of you. So thank you both for being on. Um, So I just wanted to start and I'll start with you, Jonathan, and then go to you, Jordan. How did both of you, first of all, meet and come up with wanting to tackle this documentary, especially since it took so long? So, or maybe I'll go to you, Jordan, first. All (laughs) right.
1: All right. Yes. How did we begin this project? That's a great question. Well, back in the 2012-2013, my filmmaking partner Patrick and I, Patrick Meany, we had we were on production on a documentary about the story of Chris Claremont's X-Men. We had interviewed Chris Claremont, who's one of the main creators and auteurs behind a lot of the stories that everybody knows about the X-Men, and we were telling his story in a documentary and we realized that you know part of the filmmaking process is you need to come up with really cool visuals to keep viewers engaged. So we did an internet search and found some amazing X-Men cosplayers in the Los Angeles area where we were based and we came across uh, Lauren St. Laurent and her crew of really talented cosplay friends and we scheduled a shoot with them to help us have some great visuals for the chris claremont x-men project and in in meeting them we just had a really great vibe with them and they seemed really cool i was really impressed by their level of skill and craftsmanship and on set we had a discussion uh we basically learned that around that time this show heroes of cosplay had come out and a lot of their friends and and them, to a degree, were, had been featured in, in on the show. And we realized that um, it sounded like, well, you know, there were a lot of great things that came out of that show. It mostly focused on turning cosplay into this competition, which for a lot of people, cosplay is many things. And because Patrick and I had created all these other documentary, documentaries in the world of fandom, like this Chris Claremont documentary a story about image comics called the image revolution as well as documentaries about Grant Morrison and and we were also working a um we yeah we basically realized that a really cool other story might be the story of cosplay and that just got the gears turning could we could we maybe help tell what cosplay is really about we ourselves didn't even know at the time but it just got us thinking that maybe that could be a next project. And then also a little bit later, we had we were working on this story called She Makes Comics, another documentary about the untold story of women in comic books, where Patrick mm-hmm. and I partnered with our friend Marissa, who was the director of Marissa's Daughter. And we met Wendy Peeney, who is this really talented, uh, independent creator of the comic book series Elfquist. And then just telling her story about her journey in comic books, she also just naturally shared that in the 70s, she was really into um, the masquerade culture that occurred every year at San Diego Comic-Con. And she told us these stories of like, cosplay was pretty different back then. It was the swinging 70s and another moment of just being like, whoa, this is a whole world that we knew nothing about. We had just seen some photos archived on the internet about Mm -hmm. like what the 70s cosplay costumes were like so between those two moments of realizing like there was somewhat this uh, realization that the cosplay community didn't feel that their story was fully reflected yet and Wendy Peeney sharing about like this time that we had never heard of it just sent us on this search towards uh, basically we decided to partner with Lauren as a producer and try to tell this story of uh the the initial story uh the initial film was called cos planet the evolution of cosplay (laughs) and over time it morphed into a cosplay universe
2: yeah and for me i produced a bunch of those films at jordan and sold a bunch of those films for jordan and patrick and i loved the fandom of it i grew up as a comic book geek collected a lot of comic books until I went away to college and my brother broke my heart and sold my collection. Oh, Um, gosh. Yeah. So I kind of got out of it after that. And then I wrote a movie for Snoop Dogg called Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. And I went to Comic-Con with him for the first time ever and to promote the film. And I was just kind of blown away at what was happening there and and how people were dressing up. And, you know, going to school in New Orleans, Mardi Gras was a big thing and people loved dressing up. But... I'd never seen it outside of either Halloween or Mardi Gras. I was, it affected me greatly. And, and, uh, I always thought, wow, I wonder what the story here is. I wonder why, what's the psychological makeup behind these people wanting to do this and what does it do for them and why? So years later, when Jordan and Patrick brought me this film, I was like, well, why don't, you know, they were talking about more of the history of cosplay. And I was like, yeah, that's interesting too. But like, I want to know the psychological levels of it. And I directed another film, my first film, which was about, uh, it's called Long Live Rock, Celebrate the Chaos, and also put out by the distributor, Abram Arama, that, that put our film out. And it was really about the subculture of hard rock music and why people mosh and why they tattoo and why they headbang and why they, you know, crowd surf and like, what is that about? And you realize that that music for a lot of these people is therapy, you know, from their mundane working lives and they use this music as a form of getting out their aggressions well cosplay in its own right is its own fantasy land its own trip to to get out of your mundane life and do something interesting and be somebody else that you can't be and have some superpowers that everybody would love to have superpowers obviously <laughs> and they can't so cosplay gives a taste of all that i think and and it was kind of fascinating to me so as Jordan kept shooting and shooting footage and meeting people and bringing in interesting people, we would go get together in the edit room and look at people and say, "Well, well, their story is interesting because of this." And and then we found this guy, for example, Tom, you know, who is a guy who makes ten-foot robot uh, Hulkbuster costumes, and you know, we found that guy and we got to him and we went to interview him, and his story became about how he has some autistic problems and you know, in his life and has ruined some relationships by talking, you know, incorrectly with his friends or whatever. And this is how he got out of that. Like he was, I think there's a great line there, Jordan. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically everything that's good in my life happened when I was in a costume or something like that, Jordan. Do you know the line?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He says, um, some of the most interesting or amazing experiences in my life have happened because I was in a costume. Yeah, Exactly.
2: So, so that it. Like, says a lot. And then, you know, uh, we were working with a, a Japanese uh, rock star who I was doing another movie with called We Are X, Group X Japan, and they came from this whole visual K uh, anime inspired world in their the- theatrical kind of music. And he told, you know, his person who worked for him told us about the World Cosplay Summit in Nagoya, Japan and offered to help fund, uh, fund, you know, a little bit of the trip. So Jordan went to Nagoya and got into the World Cosplay Summit and got into the anime. Um, so it's like, it's just kind of like stitching a quilt, you know, we just kind of kept building and building and building and building. And then, you know, through Stan, th- uh, through uh, Yosh- this guy Yoshiki, we met Stan Lee. So we got Stan Lee, one of his last interviews in the film, and he was just amazing. Um, through Stan Lee's person, we met Yaya Han, and she had a whole story about her mother not taking her seriously in this whole endeavor, and that became a story. Um, so it's like in making a film, you the cream rises to the top. We had some stuff that was in there for years that ended up being on the cutting room floor because these other characters, uh, Key, who worked for Tom, there was this dangling. You know, I'm thinking about transitioning. I don't know how to tell my mother, and that was like left there in the movie. And then when Jordan went back and showed a movie, hey, you know how you have those Marvel Coders in movies? And Jordan's like, Yeah. I was like, Well what if we what if we shot what if we filmed me showing the movie to my mother? And that's how we that's how I tell her that I'm thinking about this, transitioning. And we were like, Yeah, that would be really interesting and, and, and we never were happy with the ending we had, which was really strong, we thought, but at the World Cosplay Summit. But it was just like a great cap to this journey that started where we literally had a Netflix deal for this film, mm. but we weren't really ready for it, but we showed two scenes and a trailer and they loved it and they wanted to buy it. And it was going through an aggregator. At the same time I found out that aggregator was going bankrupt. So basically I couldn't really in good faith deliver the film because we'd be beholden to our uh, investors that we couldn't really get their money back. Right. So it was like this, amazing thing. You have, you know, be in breach of contract or get a YouTube, get a Netflix deal. So we passed and it hurt, but yet we ended up with a much better film. Um, and then we had another bankruptcy in the film and then COVID started. And so we had to wait that out. And then we partnered up with Abraham Rama, who's a great distributor of documentary films. So it's, it's funny how everything happens for a reason and it may be painful along the road. And this one, Jordan and I had a lot of pain um, for different reasons. But at the end of the day, we're really happy with the film. And the poster and the look of it, as you saw, is really cool. And as you saw, the film works.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, there are a lot of strong women in this film. Like there's, I mean, there are male, male men in here as well. But there's such a focus on women in this documentary. And was that something that you wanted to do on purpose or was it something that just kind of happened? Because that's one thing that I appreciated the most about this, honestly, was, was that. So
1: I think really we went and we chased the story of cosplay and what you get is a lot of strong women. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's definitely a medium for, you know, it's for everyone, but as Actually just yesterday I was having a really interesting conversation well it was a text conversation um with um I met recently Andrew Liptock, who's who has writ, wrote now uh, just released a book called Cosplay a History and I was uh getting to read in more detail some of the things we cover in our in our film but you know obviously by the nature of his book it goes in depth and one of the first moments of cos of like fandom costuming Always goes back to in 1939, Forrest J. Ackerman and his uh, partner Myrtle, I forgot her last name, uh, like created this first fandom costume. And it's a really great anecdote in this book that he goes into. But what you could see is that although Forrest J. Ackerman is wearing the costume, it was really his uh, partner Myrtle, who was the executor and designer of the costume. So I think it's an interesting moment of like, in this first moment in fandom, it was like a woman who kind of had the vision for the costume. Of course it was their partnership, but I think uh, what our film just kind of like naturally shows is that it really cosplays this medium that offers um, women this ability to empower themselves in a way that is true for males as well, but like has been somewhat refreshing because in the like convention culture, for so long it had been so like male centric. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it was like ever consciously decided. It's just kind of like, that's the story that, um, that we found or found us, depending how you look at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause that was, I really did appreciate that. And I know a lot of people on my panel and that listen, would really appreciate that, that there was, because even though that is where the story took you, you could have very easily ignored that, which I think some people would honestly. So I think that's that's very appreciative that you did see that and went, Well, this is where the story is supposed to go, instead of being like, This is where we're gonna take the story, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, I could see that happening. So yeah. And and a lot of that too, though, with them. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, speaks of it where. Uh, She's been criticized for dressing really sexy or doing that kind of stuff or trying to just get attention. Um, And then of course there is still some of that misogyny there in that world. Um, And do you think though that that criticism about being sexy or just doing it for attention that seems to be mainly lobbied towards women do you think that is coming from from men mainly or is it coming from just everybody kind of in in the community did you find
2: that either one of you uh join you could jump in first sure i think
1: well i think it's still like you know cosplay is a community within our larger society and our larger societal norms and stuff and we're you know cosplay still like a microcosm of just a lot of the dynamics that exist everywhere. So there's kind of no escape. We definitely um, focused in our film of try to highlight like the empowering nature of this community and kind of what the community can do at its best. But I think, yeah, it's just that like a lot of the same dynamics that exist in the world are always <laughs> going to like creep their way in there. So yeah, I guess that's that's how it went into that.
0: Jonathan, is that, is that the same? Do you say anything else?
1: I agree with Jordan on that one.
0: Well, and, and um and Jonathan, you mentioned it briefly too, the with Yaya with the story with her and her mom. And th- what was so beautiful about that was once her mom is there at a convention with her and actually sees what she's doing and how important it is to other people and how her mind sort of changes. I mean, she even ends up wearing like the cat ears and and everything and becomes a great, you know, um supporter of her daughter and hadn't been that way until then. And have you, did you find that there were also other people like that through your journey of talking about this to people or even with yourselves where your view might've changed on cosplay or the world of conventions as well?
2: When I was at that convention, I'm sorry, when I was there with Snoop Dogg, I didn't, I didn't understand the ramifications of it, the depth of it. Right. I thought it was just a bunch of people playing dress up as the mother did. Right. And obviously when you get into it and you realize how important it is emotionally for people, you know, some people who have autism really like, it. you know, the screenings we've done, what's really struck me is parents come out sometimes with their kids. And I think it's like this movie in a way is really a thing for credibility for these kids to show their parents, much like Yaya talked about her parents for credibility that, hey, I'm part of this thing. I know you think it's weird, right? Right. But like there's a community here. I'm meeting people, I'm finding people that are in the same headspace I am. I'm building friendships. I'm building relationships. And, you know, I had a couple of situations that the screening we did on Long Island, we debuted the movie East Coast a couple of weeks ago. And I had a screening where some parents were there with their kids. And you could you know, in talking to some of them, they really got a lot out of it. And they really felt more like, oh, I understand this now. And you know, yes, I'm supporting my kid as all parents should, but I'm really kind of understanding the depth of it. And it like this large international community of it. And I think that's, if we could do that and make it palatable for one parent to really go in and take their kids to a con and, um, you know, you see the, um, the thing with, um, Jordan, I'm forgetting her name again. I can never, a girl from Watertown, um, Captain Marvel cynthia cynthia like that whole beat with that jordan found when he went to her house in watertown and her son you know was trans was trans and how she was the only parent that would go and take the kids to a con and then she got into it herself and because she has a great personality and how you know her husband died and 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 she got him to 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 dress up and to do it and it's like you know and they make family cosplays together and just you know, it strikes me as a way, and it's funny. I brought a guy who's a really good friend of mine and he's an insurance guy. Couldn't be any straighter. And his kid, when his kid was 14 years old, he would want to go to these metal shows, these hard metal shows. And he had no way to get there. So, and Adam was like, dude, it's painful to go to these shows. They're just so outrageously hard and loud and screaming. I was like, dude, look, this is your thing. This is your chance to do something with your kid. I'm not asking you to get in the mosh pit with him. But <laughs> right? I'm asking you to just support him, even if he gets a broken nose in the mosh pit. Like it could happen, right? And he really related to the film in that same sense of support for your kids in their finding themselves and what it is they're into when they're young. And you know, obviously the kid is not into that music anymore, right? He's a, he's a grown up, young grown-up now. But I, he did relate to that, and I thought that was really cool. I don't even think Jordan, I told you about that, but there's a lot of parallels in supporting your kids in their endeavors and their sexuality or whatever it might be. And, and cosplay is a door opener, which I think is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Jordan, did you did you learn anything more? Or?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, well, you know, for me, I think I think I accepted it like, as soon as, once I met Lauren and just saw all of her friends, I just like kind of looked up to them as artists. And this was like, just as we were beginning. So I, from the get go, was like, whoa, this is a really cool art form. And these people are really talented. And I just saw a disconnect of like, why doesn't everyone else see it this way? So that was part of the challenge was like, can we make a film that would let everybody else see what I saw from this perspective of these people are artisans and why are they misunderstood so I don't for me I don't feel like I had to go so much on the journey of like understanding it I already kind of got that this was an elevated art form just by really interacting with Lauren and her crew but yeah along the way I definitely have realize that the mission of the film was to let people see this film and and come to that same conclusion so i think to some degree the film as we tried to as we tried to make it and get it to flow and work which was one of the biggest challenges for sure like right now it's it's one thing that i'm super proud of is how uh jonathan and i got the film to like just have this flow because in so many versions of this film like it did not flow it didn't there was no necessary rule that by covering all these stories and, and trying to tell the history that it could actually have like a get you through it without being bored. Like for many versions of this, it just was like very disjointed. So that was, I think the big challenge was like, could we give that lesson that we feel that this is this elevated art form? Could we put that into a film that people could watch and then come to that conclusion at the end? I may have, jumped from what your actual question was but no no
0: (laughs) no that no that fits with it though yeah okay yeah Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to have other people come to that acceptance and to that because I mean I know there are a lot of people and it's it's not just with even cosplay but just with fandom in general that they're like why is this important this is so silly why do you care so much about a show or a movie or the community around it why does that matter to you and I think so much with, with this documentary, so much of what is being said is that, you know, this is commu- This is where people are able to find their community, people that are maybe socially awkward or shy or um, don't feel confident in their own skin or stuff when they're in this community, when they're in with these people, that changes completely. And I th- so I think if one person can view that and go, oh, I didn't understand that this wasn't just about like oh, this is a cool movie or a cool show. It's about finding, just finding your community.
2: That's big. That's something that, as I mentioned earlier, something I didn't know anything about uh, when we got into it. And I, you know, you realize as a parent how important it is for kids to find that, right? Baseball, soccer, you know, swimming. My my girls were in water polo and swimming. Like, you know, they, they weren't sports people, but they figured out a way to, play some high school sports and interact with people and make friends and build community. So this is just another form of that. And that's, what's fascinating. And, and it gets a short shift because whenever you dress up the same thing with the metal people, right? You see a guy walk in long hair, tat, tat's beard, you know, banging his head or whatever, listen to this music. And you're like off-putting and cosplay in its own way for normal people feels like it could be off-putting for people but when you really dive in to the depth of the subculture it's a different story jordan
1: oh yeah i was now in thinking about it i can think of one place where it kind of took a turn that i didn't see which was when i started i viewed it as like in meeting lauren and just seeing this insight into this southern california artist scene that was that was working their butts off to go to these conventions to show off their creations. That I saw, but the thing that the journey of the film took me on was I didn't realize how um, it was so that cosplay was such a big, important part for people to discover themselves. Like this beat that by dressing up as somebody else, you find who you really are. That is still, it's counterintuitive, but that was part of the journey that I discovered is like, whoa, that's really what people are doing here which I think is really cool and really not obvious unless you start hearing some of these stories and you'll just find so many cosplayers are willing to share that the act of putting on this costume allows you to try on properties that you don't believe you have. And then the more you do that and the ritual of creating the costume and really the social ritual of being out in public to kind of add this confidence to yourself uh i think it's just really cool and fascinating from a like self-empowerment and self-growth uh perspective which is something when i started i had no clue that that was the story that was going to emerge
0: yeah i mean it's like what yaya says in here about saying you know Uh, people think that I'm cosplaying for to get this attention or for everybody else, but really I'm cosplaying for myself and I'm doing this for myself. And that, and that's true. And I think, you know, you really see it in here when you'll watch people performing, when they would be performing things in in the world, cosplay summit, that stuff was just pretty incredible because you see people that maybe, I don't know, in other situations wouldn't have been able to come out of their shell like that and really show the world who they really were. And it's, It's it's beautiful to watch that because, you know, there are so many people who feel like outcasts or ostracized or like they don't fit into the quote unquote normal world. And so to be able to find that community and be embraced and and now to you know, I mean, it's mentioned in here a little bit that because of social media, social media kind of changed things. It sounds like a little bit where more people were accepting of it because more people saw it out there in the world. Do you think that, that do you think that there's some other challenges still for people to accept this in the world, if that makes sense?
2: I think so. I mean, I think the Comic Cons have you know, you look at the way film studios embrace Comic Cons now and use them as a marketing lever to say you really need the thumbs up of this fan community. Um, and Comic Con is the greatest launching pad. Uh, you know, again, I ten years ago when I made the Snoop Dogg movie, you know, again we went there because it was kind of a campy comic book-ish movie. We went there, that's where we went there to get press, right? That's how we launched the movie. And Studios Marvel, I mean, they've crushed it. They they own it in a way. You know, they their real estate is DC and them, you know, when you go in, you see the biggest boots are DC, Marvel, image. Um, they understand this is where their fans are, this is where the people that are gonna talk about their projects. And they're going to bless them. And if they don't bless them, it's a problem for them. You know, the talk back is bad and the hate can be severe if they don't make the right moves. As you know, fandom is a real thing.
0: Yeah, it's a real thing. And it can be a very uh, toxic thing at the same time. (laughs) I mean, it's a good thing. But there's the toxic side to it where people do get to the point where they feel they own this media, and then they forget that they don't own the people in charge of the media necessarily. I mean, that's a whole nother thing. But yeah,
1: Well, we also yesterday, um, we were having a conversation with someone who brought up something pretty fascinating, which is the main auteurs of, are a lot of the main directors and auteurs behind these movies are people that grew up in the era of reading all these Stanley comics. And now it's a strange, it kind of makes sense that they would be so inspired by that stuff, you know, from their developmental phase that then they would then put that out as these top films. So it's like in another weird way, cosplay aside the people creating the films that the world is consuming are also influenced by um the comics that really that whole culture so just maybe this is how it was all meant to go down is (laughs) these comic characters just seeped into society in such a big way that of course why not dressing up with them why would that be weird anymore if like culturally from the top like that just is our culture at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's very true. I mean, going to San Diego Comic-Con for that, and that was my first time going there. and um And I was covering it as media, but as press, but it was just, very like whoa i mean granted there weren't as many people there as regularly are i guess but still i'm like this isn't as many people as regularly are here this is i have never seen anything like this before so and it's uh, everyone everyone from every walk of life is there and in this community environment where they're celebrating stuff they love and they're not going to be judged for for it which is another big big thing i think um so you did you know you recorded this uh, this excuse me you filmed this over six years that is a big daunting task and I know documentaries always usually will take longer anyway but what was like maybe I know it might be a hard question to answer but what was probably the biggest challenge of doing that especially since you're going to different countries and stuff
2: well, well I wouldn't say it we shot for six years we shot for definitely four okay due to COVID we had to wait um, for, because we didn't want to put them, I put my movie out, the long, the rock movie before all the festivals were back. Like we're a festival movie. We shot at festivals, 2018, 19. And, you know, we didn't want the movie to, to, you know, be too old, but so we put it out during the pandemic and you got really no theaters. You got no energy vibe from festivals and we didn't want to do that. So we waited and because of our legal problems on the bankruptcies, and we had to get a Bromarons deal together, um, the timing was such that we waited out the pandemic. Or to extend okay. not over yet. But we waited out the bulk of COVID till theaters came back. We really wanted to see this on a big screen. We really wanted to play Anime Expo, where the movie opens up. We really wanted to do a panel at Comic-Con, uh, which we did. And we screened there right before the pandemic. Uh, and we really want to play at the World Cosplay Summit in Nagoya, Japan, which we're doing next week. So all those things adding up that we wanted to be back in public because this is a very public facing subculture. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, anyway, to answer your question, the, the, the four years of shooting. And Jordan going back and forth editing um, were a patchwork of finding the best stories that we thought could all work together in one film. Um, and remember, you know, you have this whole world cosplay summit story, you have great stories with Yaya, great stories with Svetlana, great stories with Lauren, uh, great stories with Tom. And so to follow all these stories and follow them up and close with, like we talked about keys reveal at the end with her mom, it felt right. And it, but, you know, it took, it took a lot of work, Jordan.
1: Yeah. You're that was I agree with everything John said. So John, so your your the question is like, what was the biggest challenge, right? Or mm-hmm. one of the challenges.
2: patience with each other. I would say <laughs>
1: definitely, definitely. John and I have a have a <laughs> in the edits. We were we're frequently like trying to get to that point where we both see the same thing, but frequently it's it's a lot of like butting heads. But to make something better, so. It's its own fun and enervating task to do that. I would say the biggest challenge was, um, yeah, the longevity of just sticking to this project and kind of sticking to the instinctual thought that I've always had, which is like, it's not right yet. And you're chasing this weird, whatever, like you're chasing something in your brain that doesn't even really, it's past logic. It's just kind of, the movie is done or it feels like we have come to a completion and that didn't really happen until we um got that final scene with key and then it just was like book can be closed the movie has presented itself with what it wants to be and is now up for the world to decide if it you know like if it works or not <laughs> but uh Yeah, this is not, you know, was not a hugely funded project. So just kind of managing our own lives, coming back to the project while doing a million other things to financially stay afloat, just, (laughs) and, and it just like kind of this whole project like ebbed and flowed where there'd be moments we were working on it all the time and then it would kind of go quiet for the most part, but then you'd have to add something or change something just just holding on to it and letting I would say the biggest challenge is definitely um just continuing to fight for it to be the best movie that it can be when a lot of people along the way were like, wrap this thing up, it's done, move on to the next <laughs> project. Yeah. Uh but we we got there at some point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I know this one will probably be nearly impossible to answer, but do you have a favorite cosplay from the documentary, or even if it's not from the documentary, do you have a favorite one?
1: Oh, big one, John. Gotta <laughs> think about that.
2: And, like I said, you know, uh, the, the marvel from not the pun intended on that one, but the finding Tom's in the crowd. We were searching for, I think we had some fill in a couple holes, and we were licensing a couple things that we couldn't get to Comic Cons on. And we happened to see Tom walk through the New York Comic Con in a YouTube video, and it was just like dominant. I was like, Jordan, I want to know that guy, you know, what's that guy look like in real life, and he provided a lot of um, great elements for the film, but that, you know, to watch a costume like that be built and um, see what it takes uh, was fantastic. And also with Svetlana, the way she builds her armor and her her partner, Benny, and, and what they do. And watching it, the meticulous nature, like these people are craftsmen, like people who build the cabinets at your house are craftsmen, you know what I mean? They, And 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 the people who do props and movies are craftsmen, uh, crafts people, I should say. I love the fact of, you know, what Svetlana's done and, and Benny and created her world um, and how they create pieces. So I think those two would be my favorites in the film. Jordan?
1: Man, I still don't have an answer. <laughs>
0: I know. I was
1: like, it's going to be a hard one. but <laughs> back, back to John's answer. It's like, you know, these people really are master craftspeople. And Tom's like engineering feat of somehow being able to make that huge costume move, like, um, you know, like as he says, I don't know if it's made it into the final cut, but there's a moment where he talks about like it, he's supposed to, the costume's supposed to look like that big, really muscular guy who kind of like hangs like this somehow he did that and that i can understand took like 20 years of research and development to figure that out and that's a really cool contribution uh i'm still blown away by yaya's like we'll just post a picture on instagram and i'm just like good lord this image is just so powerful i don't know how she does it and yeah kamui Kamui cosplay yeah you just see these things take three dimension shape and you're just like how how did they do that it's because it's two unbelievably talented people working their butts off and like sticking out sticking figuring out all these trends and even like i learned recently like lauren and their friend they lauren's entire friend group they at one point had like 30 plus people all in like in a a, one of their massive group cosplays and i'm blown away by that like that they just coordinated all these people all working their butts off it's just such a cool art form
2: and then the follow-up for that is one of my favorite parts about the movie or trying to get the movie across is if you could turn your fandom into a living or turn your passion Like, I love to play tennis, right? I'm not going to be a professional tennis player. That's not happening. But I certainly, if I could, I would, right? And watching what these people have been able to do, you know, Svetlana, Yaya, um, you know, Lauren, coming up with ideas like Lauren had the idea for the course and executed and became a thing and she made a living out of it, you know, I think it's amazing. And I think that is, you know, that's a classic American or, or international success story being able to do that and that's something that we wanted to really highlight in this film and I think we did Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Lauren for those who are curious um castle corsetry is not really her focus anymore it's uh she is uh goes by Lauren St. Laurent and she's does a lot of work now for the film industry which is pretty cool so she's basically most a lot of her projects are I don't know what they are because they're all NDA and But she's (laughs) risen from, you know, this hobby into being one of the go-to people for um, Hollywood to create costumes, which is uh, another cool quota of like, you know, what this uh, art form can do for those that just go all in on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. That's incredible. Yeah. And I love, love hearing that. Yep. Thank you both for, um, for being on it, for making the movie too, because I mean, I I know cosplayers and I know people that will really appreciate this documentary and will be able to see themselves, too. And that's very important as well. Um, so are, do you have any other things in the works or any other things you can tell us about?
2: Uh, I think, you know, uh, following up on this film, you know, it'll be uh, streaming services starting in the fall. And we'll just continue to work this film to get the word out because that's what these films take. Um, and then we'll continue to make documentaries because we love it it's uh i think it's uh kind of like turning our fandom into trying to make a living although documentary filmmaking is a very tough sport to make a living at but for some reason we're out there doing it we love it
1: and jordan do you have anything else? yeah john john said it well it's a tough sport to make a living at uh right no our definitely energy is just I know for me, the like final part of this project really is getting it out into the world and letting it be this tool that cosplayers can use to have their friends and family understand what the heck is going on and why this is something worthy of everyone's time. And yeah, my next documentary project is like in early stages and it's going to be in the realm of social justice. And that's all I can say about that one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, well, I can't wait to hear more. So, where should people go to find more information or to at least follow along, follow either one of you as well? So, Jonathan?
2: Our website will keep, uh, there's a watch tab on our website. Um, cosplay, what is it? Cosplay Universe Movie, Jordan?
1: cosplayuniversemovie.com That's or cool. cosplay.film. Ooh.
2: Either one of those, are good. and just check, click the watch tab, and you'll keep up on where, when, and how uh, people can see the film. We'll keep it updated constantly.
1: Also, if you could please follow us on uh, social media: uh, Instagram where Cosplay Universe Movie, TikTok where Cosplay Universe Movie, Twitter we are Cosplay Film, and Facebook I think is Cosplay Universe Movie. But I am spending a whole lot of time updating the social media. So please, please follow that. That's that's where the uh, energy is going now.
0: And there will be links in our show notes as well. So anyone listening can just easily just click over there and find that as well. So thank you both so much for taking the time to sit and talk with me. I really appreciated it. And thank you again for the movie. And I encourage everyone to seek it out, find it and watch it. I think you will enjoy it and learn something as well. So thank you both so much.
1: Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron.
0: And this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter for now at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, we are scheduling interviews for the new year. We can't do any interviews, unfortunately, for 2022 right now. Our schedule does not permit it, but we would love to speak to you next year. So if you have a project, a film, a book, a if you're a musician, anything like that, if you work behind the scenes, please, please feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandomthingpod thing pod at gmail.com or you can head on over to our website. It's a phantom thing pod.com. Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot us a message and I will try to get back to you as soon as I can still catching up from things from um, my vacations. So anyway, thank you so much. And until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate.